Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hello and welcome to Indie Cider episode number 47 for Wednesday, August 3rd. I'm your host, Ken Gagne, and this week we're playing Chime Sharp. Show notes can be found at IndieCider.net slash Chime Sharp. Full disclosure, I did back this game on both Kickstarter and Indiegogo because I'm a huge fan of the original Chime, which came out in 2010 for Xbox 360 and later for Windows and PS3. Both Chime and Chime Sharp, developed by the same gentleman, Steve Curran, who you'll be hearing from later in this episode, feature the same basic gameplay. There is an open grid of sort of graph paper, sometimes with a couple of bytes missing here and there, and your job is to place petrominos throughout the level. These are blocks composed of five cells. So you might have sort of an L shape like in Tetris or a long skinny piece, etc. As you place them, you're trying to form quads, perfect quadrangles of either squares or rectangles. When your pieces combine to form a quad, then the quad starts filling up. And when it gets to the top, then it becomes set in stone. But until it fills up, you can continue adding pieces to its perimeter to make it longer or wider. The game features an awesome soundtrack with a beat line that's sweeping across the level, and whenever that beat line hits a completed quad, it clears it from the board, leaving behind a marker designating where it was. Your goal is to make those markers appear on as much of the level as possible. In other words, you want to form quads and have the beat line clear them across the entire level over the course of the five minutes that you're playing the game. Every time the beat line clears a quad, it makes a tone. And so the pieces you're laying down affect the soundtrack because those tones interplay with the music that you're hearing. You're creating a unique soundtrack based on your gameplay, which is really awesome. It's simple gameplay that takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. And to be honest, I still haven't. Even though I was playing the original Chime five years after it came out, I keep putting these pieces down and I just never get more than at my best, 75% of the grid cleared, even though the goal is to get 100% or at least 90%. Now, Chime Sharp does have some new modes, including Sharp Mode, which I believe eliminates the timer and gives you lives instead. There's also a Strike Mode, which I haven't played much with. You can play with the keyboard, keyboard and mouse, a joystick. I have had the most success with my PS4 controller or using the mouse and keyboard but I also tried playing with just the keyboard and was terrible, even worse than usual, so I don't recommend that. The game is supposedly supposed to be relaxing, and if you eliminate the timed mode, I suppose it could be, but I actually find it quite frantic, and that's one of the reasons I like it. I'm always trying to extend my quads before they fill up, before the time runs out, before the beat line strikes it, all these different variables, all these different timers that are working against me. So yeah, I dig this game, and I was excited to be able to speak with Mr. Steve Curran, who you'll be hearing from shortly. Now, one audio note, I do apologize, but due to hardware difficulties on both my end and his end, neither of us were able to use our external mics or USB headsets to record our conversation. We both had to rely on the internal mics of our computers. So the audio quality is consistent between us, but maybe not quite what you're accustomed to from previous episodes of IndieCider. I do apologize for that. The same issue applies if you want to watch the game being played and listen to the audio interview with Mr. Steve Curran. You can find that at IndieCider.net slash YouTube, where you'll find videos of all the games featured on the IndieCider podcast paired with the developer interviews. 
But if you do prefer this audio edition, I encourage you to leave a review on iTunes, which will help other people to find this podcast, which just turned two years old. Amazing. So many games in such a short time. So on that note, no pun intended, here's Chime Sharp designer, Steve Curran. Today I'm speaking with Steve Curran, the designer of Chime Sharp. Hello, Steve. Hello. How are you today? Great. It's, it's really good to be talking to you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yes, it must be a relief to finally have the game release at the time of this recording. It just came out a week ago at the time of the airing, two weeks ago. How does it feel? That's true. I mean, it is a relief. I've had a, a really, really great time over the last week sort of reading people's feedback. Although release these days as a concept is kind of strange, given we've been in early access for about uh, four or five months, I think. And consequently, you know, development doesn't stop these days. You wait to see whether you've got any life-shattering bugs and uh, then spend the next little while patching them. But it is nice to pass that milestone. Yeah, given that the game has been available in some form for several months, how do you know when it's ready to leave early access? Well, we made a we made a pretty uh, clear decision that that was going to be when I was happy with the game modes that we had in because we had you know the, the the contents of the game was very much in flux and we were trying new things with it. I wanted to make sure it was as robust as possible. That doesn't mean it's absolutely or it was absolutely one hundred percent stable because. We're a small development team and we can't test on every single format. But for us, we had, you know, zero crash bugs. So that was important. And I was very, very happy with the core game modes uh, inside, inside Chime Shop, which are um, effectively the original Chime reva- uh, revamped and distilled for this version and a new mode called Sharp Mode. Now, the Steam description for Chime Sharp says that this is the original Chime with the rusty edges filed away. What would you call the rusty edges in the original game that this game finally gave you the opportunity to rework? You know, it's funny. I, I'm, uh, this is the first game I've put out on Steam myself, and so I'm only now getting used to the back end and all of the features of Steam. I mean, I'm a, a long-time Steam gamer, but it's, it's different when you're viewing this through the lens of uh, development. And... I was only looking at that description today and I was thinking, really, did I write that? That doesn't seem right. I'm not sure that's, that's the sort of thing I wrote. Rusty doesn't seem like a sort of word I would use, and I think rusty is the wrong word. But there were obtuse parts of the original Chime um, that you know I developed uh, six years ago that on release and in that sort of period after release, I wasn't particularly pleased with. I, I love the game, right? I've always loved Chime, and Chime remains of all the things that I've worked on, the single game that I, I play myself the most. I find it super relaxing and uh, just genuinely a warm experience. But at the same time, there were things I wasn't happy with. Uh, I can go through those things if you want. Yes, let's hear it. Okay. So my biggest, my biggest, well, my biggest major issue with Chime is that Chime is... I mean, Chime's many things to different people. I was talking to one of our, um, you know, best hardcore players last night who really canes the thing for score attack and, you know, is frantically clicking their way through each level, trying to arrange these blocks as quickly as possible. But other players play it in a very, very different way, a relaxed experience. And that was the standout thing, I think, for the last generation of Chime, for me at least was that it was an ambient experience. It was a game that had an objective and it would test you, but it was somehow really, really relaxing and pleasant to play. But in opposition to that, you have this timer, 
which is constantly counting down and putting pressure on you, a lot of the game is is sort of time-based. The quads fill up according to a timer. There's a timer at the top of the screen telling you you have to play soon. There's a timer that runs out. There's time that comes out with, uh, you know, 10 seconds to go. It counts in the middle. I always found that to be in conflict with this, you know, relaxing, what I viewed as a relaxing heart to the game. So um, that was one of my, you know, one of my big tasks this time around. I wanted to resolve that. Um, and I think we have with this new mode called sharp mode, uh, which removes all the timers. But in addition, there are other things. I think the, the original chime has a very rigid structure and a very poor end game. Uh, you have to cover a hundred percent of every grid and from zero percent to about 90%, you see players taking lots and lots of different paths there, employing different tactics. But then that last 10% becomes a grind. Because you have to cover every cell in the grid. And finding those, that's easy because you can uncover with a single key press. But actually accessing them, you may have blocked yourself in, requires sometimes waiting a few loops, chiseling away. You can avoid that by planning ahead, but that's no fun to some players. So this time round, uh, we actually say that the game completes, each level completes, each song completes at 90%. Um, but at that point, you have another two cycles of the beat line to try and get up to 100%. So with careful planning, you can score uh, 100% and get a lot of coverage uh, because of that, you know, more points bonuses. Um, But players who don't want to do that sort of chiseling away, the uncovering, the fastidious method uh, of, you know, really painting the thing, they can move on to the next board as well. So I think it gives more options. It's much more flexible way of playing. And there are other things as well. There are small bugs. There's some uh, refined scoring. I think we place more weight on getting perfect quads, not leaving fragments behind. Um, and I'm just getting messages right now. If you can hear the bleeps in the background, some bug reports. I'll close those. More bugs. So the game is still in development. Uh, those are <laughs> those are not um, not uh, critical bugs. Um, I'll, I can I can actually. Hold on a second. I've actually closed the window, so I can't tell you what it is. But yeah, we, we, we're, um, it's interesting hearing, uh, feedback from players right now. One of the tasks of the des- designer is to distinguish between this is a critical bug and this is not playing how I imagined it would play. And we have had, we've had very, very few of the latter. Um, I, I mean, I think I've been lucky in a, to an extent and that. The balance of the game has worked out. It's very, very hard to see the balance of the game from within it, especially when you've been working on you know this project for eighteen months, like I have, um, and with a small team, as I say. So when you put it out there, suddenly you've got a thousand new players, and they're all playing in a different way. And luckily, I think most of the balance is is correct. What wasn't correct on release uh, was the unlocking structure. The one thing that um, that I did get wrong on release is that because I've been playing it for such a long time, it's very, very hard to gauge the difficulty. And I had levels. Uh, locked. I had the unlocking structure, which I wasn't sure about in the first place, but we put in because we found in early access people wanted an unlocking metagame in there. And I, fa- I, I set those unlocks much too high because I'd set them according to my ability, you know, still minus a bit, you know, but not enough. So the patch and the bulk of uh, sort of messages I'm getting, and indeed the one we just got then, right then, was for someone asking if the unlocking had been um, been fixed which it has now. Hmm. So in addition to the opportunity to refine the gameplay, of course, you also were able to choose an entirely new soundtrack for this game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that was super, super important to me as well. Um, 
the two things when when I was approached uh, and asked if I wanted to direct a sequel to the game, the two things I made clear from the start were that I would do this, but I wanted absolute control over the the um, the gameplay features and the design of the game, uh, which isn't to say the other team members, you know, the coders, Connor, uh, Sian, and, and Lana, the producer, have had some input. They absolutely have, and so has Ian, uh, who who approached me in the first place. They've all had input to the design, but it was under my control. And the other thing was the soundtrack, which I wanted to make sure I could uh, request songs, you know, that I wanted to be in there, and veto songs that I didn't want to be there. Um, and that's been great. You know, I've approached some of my favorite artists and they've all been really, really super helpful. Um, and I think we've got a really, really wide palette in there of, of audio. Like there's lots and lots of different sorts of music. There's still scope for more if we, if we get a chance to do DLC. We've got lots of different genres and I hope the soundtrack will introduce people, uh, to types of music they wouldn't normally listen to and maybe encourage them to explore that. So how do you choose which types of music to include? For example, I wouldn't expect to boot up Chime Sharp and hear Polka. <laughs> there are a couple of guidelines. We know that uh, we know that lyrical music with, with lyrics uh, doesn't work brilliantly unless you treat those lyrics first. Um, we experimented that with, in the first Chime on uh, PC when we did Jonathan Coulton's Still Alive. And to my mind, that didn't really work because the vocal samples are so um, distinctive that they loop and they quickly become annoying. So when you're treating vocals, you have to uh, you have to really really be clever about it. And I think we've actually we've done that with the uh, the the Mote of Dust remix in this new game. I think it sounds absolutely beautiful. The Message to Bear song also has vocals in it. It's very really strong. And churches, of course, as well have vocals. Um, with respect to like poker, there's no reason why not. And I'm completely open to that, but we have 15 tracks to play with, right? So we, <laughs> we tend to choose things. We have to limit to some extent because there are more genres in the world than 15. And that limiting factor has been my taste. If you have a poker song you want in there, please let me know. I'll get Weird Al on the phone right away. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, that certainly fits in with my Mariochi sideline. So are these tunes repurposed or are they original for Chime Sharp? It varies. I mean, we worked closely with uh, several artists to produce versions of tracks that they'd already done. Some are completely uh, new, and they'll take on and publish on their albums. Some are licensed. For example, the the wonderful Steve Reich track that starts the game, and I think sets the tone for the game. Uh, that's a licensed piece of music, which has had a brilliant treatment by um, Tom Rowland, who's been the audio producer on the game. It's his first game, but he's made a hell of a difference. Is it possible to purchase the soundtrack separately? Um, I don't think it's possible to purchase it as an album. All of the tracks, most of the tracks, I think, if not all of them, are available on uh, you know Spotify and probably iTunes as well. There is a, an album that we're producing, but that's exclusively for Kickstarter backers. I don't think currently we have a plan to sell that separately. Uh, speaking of Kickstarter, you ran two crowdfunding campaigns for this game, one on Kickstarter, one on Indiegogo. Is that correct? We did, yes. So why did you choose to run two campaigns instead of one or use two platforms instead of one? You know, that decision is somewhat lost in the midst of time. Uh, so I can't be certain of the answer to that. I know that um, I was very, very nervous about doing a Kickstarter because I've seen big failures 
on Kickstarter for video games, and Chime is very precious to me, and so is my reputation. I've done a Kickstarter before for a card game, and that went really, really well, but I know how much hard work it can be. So I was very, very clear at the start um, for the goals for Kickstarter were very achievable. The goals would be clear. Listen, I'm going to try all of these things. They might not work, but what I want to do is Chime, the original Chime, but better with more levels. Uh, you know, and I think we've done that. Like it's a, it is a sharper version of Chime. And I think we've exceeded that. You know, we've got several different game modes in there. It's a much bigger game than we promised. So that's great. We did the Indiegogo campaign, I think, um, because we weren't sure whether there was a different audience on Indiegogo. And also because we were toying with the idea of doing a thing called Chime Flat, uh, which was a, a sort of separate version of the game distilled and only with chiptune music on. We thought that might be a quite, you know, neat way of treating Chime. Um, the Indiegogo didn't get funded, but the Kickstarter did. And so, you know, that's where we are. So does that mean we won't be seeing a Chime Flat? Everything depends on sales at this point, right? Like, if Chime suddenly goes supernova and there's a thirst for different versions of Chime, then there are so many options. You know, I'd love to put it on console. Uh, I'd love to put it on tablet. I think it's a, you know, a natural tablet game. In some respects, there are some design choices we'll have to make and some things we'll have to change. And yeah, Chime Flight is something we'd love to do as well. We're, we're talking right now. I'm talking to the publisher. We do have some plans, but I can't talk about them right now. Um, the plans that I've just noted, the ones that I've just mentioned, they all depend on us getting a, you know, a significant number of sales. Because I would love to see this game on console. It was on the Xbox 360 that I discovered the original Chime and Chime, the original is on Steam, but for Windows only, which wouldn't work on my Mac. So knowing, that Chime Sharp could appear on consoles for other people to discover is very encouraging. I, I would love it to be on consoles. And honestly, like that's where I play most of my games, on the living room. Now, over the last six months, something's actually changed, which is that I've got myself a Steam machine. And so I am now playing Chime, uh, Chime Sharp on my TV. But that's a very selfish way of looking at this. And yeah, I would, I would absolutely love uh, to get it on consoles. But we can't commit to that at the moment until we know there's a hunger there. And right now we're just trying to get word out about this version of the game because uh, I'm super proud of it. You said you were originally approached to do the sequel by Ian. Does that mean that the sequel wasn't your idea to begin with? I've always wanted to make make a sequel to Chime because uh, the original, like I said, had these rough edges that I, I wanted to attack, and it's it's that sort of nagging thing in the back of your head. But I'm um, I'm a freelance designer. I do a lot of different things, and I'm working on you know many games at the same time. Uh, I've got another game out next week called Pixelgrams, which is a, a block puzzle thing for iOS and Android. And I'm working on a cricket game as well, a VR cricket game in my spare time. So I'm always working on lots and lots of different projects. Chime was always in the back of my head as something that, you know, I loved so much. But the truth is, I didn't think I would get an opportunity uh, because the rights to Chime uh, lie with a um, a different company. And it was Ian who did the negoti- negotiations to a licensed Chime uh, from Zoe Mode, which is a company that I used to work where I developed Chime. And it was him who approached me. So it's, you know, it's he was the spark that lit this fire. It's all down to him. And does he work with Chilled Mouse? He's, he is Chilled Mouse, yeah. Him and uh, Jonathan Newth are Chilled Mouse. And Lana, who's the producer there, who, I mean, without Lana's work, this game would not exist. She's been phenomenal throughout. 
Wonderful. So for those who have followed your accomplishments as a result of Chime, mm. Chime appeared in 2009, Chime Sharp appeared in 2016. It sounds like you've been very busy in those seven years, but those <laughs> might not have been on people's radars. It sounds like you've worked on many other games in that time. I do a lot of different things. Um, I've, I've, I've worked on games in that time and some of them I've, uh, <laughs> some of them I've enjoyed and some of them I've not enjoyed and all of those experiences have changed my life. But I don't just uh, make games. I do a lot of teaching as well. Uh, I teach at Southbank University in London and around the world. I do lectures. Um, I do sort of keynotes at conferences, um, which are a bit weird and monologues. I have my radio show. I have my Marioki spinoff um, and all these other little games that I'm working on as well. So yeah, I keep myself busy. And you also do some consulting with Lee Alexander? And consulting, of course, but that's not quite as magical to talk about. We, Lee and I go in and uh, we talk to game developers about the games they're making. We try and give them an external perspective through our company, which is called Agency. And uh, yeah, that's super fun as well. Lee is absolutely wonderful. and I love working with her. But that's not the usual, that's not the stuff that uh, people like you usually want to talk to me about. Most people know Lee through her journalism. I wasn't aware she even did consulting until I looked up your website last night. Ah, right. Yeah. I mean, she's she's again, she's a busy and um, incredibly intelligent, capable woman, um, and she does a lot of different things. She's a fearsome person, and I am very lucky to work with her. And you also have a couple of podcasts, including the One Life Left radio show? Yeah, it's definitely a radio show, not a podcast. That's, that's, uh, that's our snobby view. We're like, yeah, oh, we're, we're a radio show. It's very hard to get a radio show. <laughs> you know. uh, but we're also a podcast, and we get a lot of listeners uh, through that um, because, as you well know, podcasts and video games go, go perfectly together. Uh, we've been doing One Life Left, Simon, Byron, and uh, Anne Scantlebury, and me, um, for... 10 years now, um, which means we're the longest running video game radio show in the world, which is a pretty big thing, right? That's, that's, that's a thing. Uh, and it's a very light, accessible video game radio show. We do it for, uh, this brilliant station in London called Resonance 104.4 FM. And then it's podcast. We do that every Monday and it's podcast every Wednesday, although we're actually on summer break for the next four weeks. So, um, we do that and it's, it's the most fun thing I do every week. Uh, I absolutely. You know, I love it. You know, even on the days where game development grind is getting me down, uh, turn up, I chat to two of my friends about video games and stupid other things like this, like the Marioki thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we have a great time. So, so yeah, I can understand why you do a podcast. And what's the link for the One Life Left radio show? It's onelifeleft.com. Easy. Yes, easy to remember. And also, you've mentioned this several times, the Marioki, but the explanation actually came when we were talking off the record, can you go on the record and tell us what exactly is Marioki? The reason I'm mentioning it quite a lot is because before we, we started this brilliant conversation and as soon as we hang up, uh, I will go back to doing this uh, Marioki thing. Marioki is, uh, it was an idea of Simon's, who's my radio show co-presenter and we do it as the radio show, but it's sort of spun off into its own thing now, uh, which is pop songs rewritten to be about video games. So if you imagine Prince's Purple Rain to be be written about Heavy Rain or, um, you know, uh, like Lady Gaga's Poker Face to be about Pokedex, as in the Pokemon concept. And it sounds dreadful, right? It sounds terrible. It's actually absolutely the best thing that I do. It makes people ludicrously happy. 
because uh, it's dumb jokes and singing along to pop music for a few hours. And we get booked around the world to do it. We have a residency at a bar in London. We do it every month here. Um, but tonight, just because I finished Chime last week and I really, you know, video games take a long time to make. This took uh, 18 months for me to produce. And I think it's also really nice to do sharp, short, sharp um, creative projects. So um, I got in touch with some of the people who helped me write the songs for um, for Marioki. And I was like, right, next week, let's do a pop-up gig about Pokemon Go where we just turn up and we sing 20 songs about Pokemon Go. And um, and they were like, yeah, let's do that. And so that happens tonight. Uh, and I'm in the last throes of quick songwriting and transcribing into our slightly weird karaoke software. As soon as I'm finished with this, I'm heading off there. Well, I can honestly say I've never spoken to anybody with a set of interests quite like yours. I haven't even talked to you about cricket yet. Oh, goodness. That can be a separate <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I do want to ask, though, I am a big fan of Chime from the Xbox 360. I'm delighted to see Chime Sharp come out. But the reason I read all your Kickstarter and Indiegogo updates and follow you on Twitter is because you have a sense of humor, unlike anything I've seen in the video game development industry. <laughs> is that good or bad? Well, it made me want to read every update, not necessarily to see what you had to say, but to see how you were going to say it. Oh, thank you. That's that's really kind of you. I, I used to be a writer. Um, I still am sometimes, although mostly for me these days. And and mostly for Marioki songs. I really, really enjoy writing and I enjoy talking to people as well a lot. Um, there is actually some of my writing buried inside Chime Sharp, but I think very few people have discovered it yet. If you complete every song, um, you will find a history of Chime buried in the extras. And there are also the Steam trading cards which have uh, block biographies. Now, those are unlockable in the game as well by uh, achieving 100% on uh, levels, which is a very, very hard thing to do. But if you do that, you will get um, these silly little block biographies, which are very in keeping with the tone of the Kickstarter updates that I have written for the last while. That is the best incentive I've found yet to finish the game. <laughs> Thanks. It's also a good game as well. Let's let's not forget that. <laughs> of course not. But while you are going to do my Marioki, I'm going to go finish Time Sharp because now I want to read those biographies. Fantastic. <laughs> so remind our listeners where they can find you and your game online. Okay, well, my name is Steve, S-T-E, Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N. And my website, uh, which has a portfolio of my uh, talks and has some of the things that I've done, although I don't think Chime's on there at the moment. I should update that. Uh, that's at www.stecurran.com. You can find One Life Left at onelifeleft.com. Marioki is at singmarioki.com. There's some examples of the songs on there. And Chime is chimegame.com. Uh, you can find it there, or you can go on Steam and search for Chime. Um, and I spend a lot of time hanging out on the Chime forums at the moment. Uh, so you can find me there or even join the Chime chat room where so far we've had a maximum of three people. It's very cozy. Ooh, let's see if we can get it up to four. <laughs> Someday I dream. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, Steve. Links to all the resources you mentioned will be found in the show notes, which are at indiesider.net slash chimesharp. Great game. As I may or may not have mentioned, I was also a backer for, for the Kickstarter and the Indiegogo, and I am very happy with the results. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you. Great talking to you, too. Thanks for your time. This has been Indiesider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at indiesider.net. Indiesider.net.